0: What up, though? Welcome to the Fatboy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. So, I'm DC, the host of this podcast. Today we don't have my counterpart Lock on here, but we do have two special guests. First person we got on here, TJ. What's up,
1: everybody? I'm happy to be here.
0: And second person we got on here, Holiday.
2: What up, Dawn? Be the greatest fat boy MMA podcast of all times.
0: <laughs> We're just starting, so you. So I'm glad you're shooting for the moon. <laughs> 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 okay, so fellas, the way I kick this off, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh who we're talking about today, go over kind of the accolades and everything, and we're going to open it up and talk about this person. So, this is a part of the series Fallen Goats, and today we're going to be talking about Jose or Jose Aldo, and of course, the Fallen Goat series is us talking about different people that were considered you know, in their prime in that conversation for the greatest fighter of all time, but in recent times may have fallen off or you may be a new MMA fan at trying to find out why this person is so loved and revered. So first thing I want to do is throw out kind of uh, some of his accomplishments and accolades. Um, His longest streak, he actually went on a 17 fight win streak. During that streak, he beat the likes of Cub Swanson, Mike Thomas Brown, not to be confused with Mike Brown, the uh, 170-pounder. Uriah Faber, Manny Gerberian, Kenny Florian, Chad Mendes twice, Frankie Edgar, the Korean Zombie, and Ricardo Lamas. Um, Also, he was uh, the youngest featherweight champion in the uh, WEC, and he was also the youngest champion in WEC history. Uh, While in the WEC, he got uh, three knockout of the night bonuses. Uh, He also had the most consecutive wins in WEC history with eight. Once he got over to the UFC, uh, the UFC, for those that don't know, had bought the WEC, but they left them as their own division for a while and then rolled them in. So once he came over to the uh, UFC, and in the UFC, he actually had – three fighter of the year titles, three fight night bonuses, uh, two performances of the night. He's had uh, the most uh, successful title defenses and the most consecutive title defenses in featherweight history. Now, in the UFC, he's regarded as having seven title defenses. But if we look at the fact that the WEC was rolled over into the UFC, he should actually be at nine, which would have him tied for fourth place with Georgia St. Pierre, uh, right behind DJ with eleven, who's tied with John Jones with eleven, and Anderson Silva in the number three spot. So now that I've kind of went through some of you know why he was regarded as a goat, why people loved him so much, I want to open it up so we can have a conversation uh, around this. So. Uh, I'm actually going to throw out a question first. So for those that don't know, uh, I've been trying to get Holiday to watch MMA for a very long time. (laughs) Probably since about 2001 when I first started watching. And I think the first fight I was able to get him to watch was uh, Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock in 2002. And it was because he was a wrestling fan and knew who Ken Shamrock was. But Aldo seemed to be the person to really get him over into MMA. So I want to shoot a question out to him first, as to kind of what made him, you know, get into MMA. What was that that thing about Aldo that kind of grabbed him? And then let's open up the floor and discuss Aldo as a as a potential goat and what happened.
2: Yeah. So for me, it was a couple things. Uh, I watched Ken Shamrock lose three times so why would I want to like do that because he had the ankle lock in wrestling that's what I came here to see and he lost to some guy with uh, blonde hair and fire on his hat so that was not appealing because Ken Shamrock and fire was has was dope <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny
1: I'm sorry it's funny that you say he had that ankle lock and then you realize no now knowing modern MMA how impractical an ankle lock is in terms of high-level fighting.
2: Okay, yeah, go what's ahead. What's funny is, remember, he had the arm bar, too, but it never took off in wrestling. And as we know, the arm bar is actually real in, in MMA. Uh, but uh, so, it was like, okay, whatever. Then I, you would watch some stuff, and there'd be a couple of those cool, it like, whatever. And what I did, like, was the tough with Forrest Griffin. I don't remember who else was on it, but I had watched that tough. And that were guy he was moved, a coach or where
1: he was competing.
2: He was competing.
1: Okay. So the very first tough. Got it.
2: That was the first one.
0: The first yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. I think you, I think you watched it a little late. Got I you. think it was, I think you watched it. Cause remember it was one of those things where I think you said, I was texting you and actually TJ was texting you the same time. About the fight that was the finale. And I believe you went back and watched it after that.
2: Got you. But to uh, get to your thing specifically how I got to although So when I used to watch boxing. My favorite thing. What I fantasized about doing in a real street fight. Was knocking somebody out with a body punch. If you punch somebody in the head. Knock them out. Cool. That's what you're supposed to do. But I always was so amused whenever people got knocked out by body shots. I thought that was so disrespectful. So that was like my thing in boxing. And then when it came to MMA, it was leg kicks. So I kept talking about like leg kicks. And then he was like, well, auto got the best leg kicks. So I tried to watch an auto fight and he did a kick and broke his foot on the first kick. So he didn't kick at all for the rest of the fight, but he still won the fight and it was a really good fight. But then I went back and I watched the Uriah favorite fight and he was helicoptering this guy with kicks. Like he just making him just like spin and spin and spin with kicks. And I was sold from there because they was like super quick soccer like kicks that just came from nowhere. And that was my new disrespect. And so that's what got me. <laughs> that's what got me locked in. That the fact that you could just beat somebody with leg kicks sold me, and I was kind of hooked from there.
0: What about you, TJ? <laughs> what kind of? Uh, wh-
1: I'm away. I'm away for uh, Mark to recover. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean, it's funny because like I was, if I was to go back into my history of MMA as a fan uh i was big into anime growing up right so like i used to go you know especially in high school once i you know once i got once i started driving let me say i got my license once i started driving in ninth grade i used to go to like the little skate shops and the stores to buy the little you know dragon ball z anime dvds so this was like early 99 or late 99 or early 99 whatever and they would always have ufc you know videotapes and shit on there and they would have like the little japanese imports so, I would buy, like, the games and watch the, you know, buy the little cheap-ass VHSs and watch the UFC ones and all that. So, I was kind of, like, into MMA, but I didn't know what it was per se, right? So, like, I wasn't one of them people, like, you know, like, oh, should I watch this dude with a karate dude and the sumo guy, you know? And, like, I would think, you know, this shit was great. I loved it. But I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to decipher, if you could use the term, it from, you know, WWE, first WWF at the time, Right. Because like, to me, it was just all spectacle it was fun. And I grew up watching boxing. So similar to, like, Mark, if I was to say, like, when I became a diehard UFC fan, it really was that first season of tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ken okay. Shamrock, you know, we thought he was the baddest dude in the world. Tank Abbott, we thought he was the baddest dude in the world. And then that first season of tough, which really, I got into it because it came on right after the Monday Night Raw. on what was it, Spike TV or whatever it was called at the time. Um, so that kind of that's kind of what made me fall in love with MMA as a whole. And then I started watching all the different shit, the Tachi Palace fights, the, uh, was it Bulldog? And then, uh, what was it called? WEC, right? And well, so, Tachi
0: like, Palace actually became WEC. And then later on, they came back. I don't know if they bought the name back or what, but, yep.
1: So there you go. Like, that's one of the key, one of, like, again, a really cool factoid about that shit, right? So I started watching WFC and just kind of was like, yo, I love this shit. And I remember, like, I watched... Um, I want to say, you know, and I'm looking at the shirt dog list, so I'm kind of cheating a little bit here. Um, oh, that's but good. The shirt
0: dog, I've referenced that all the time.
1: <laughs> I, I want to say it was his fight with uh, a dude called Rolando Perez, right, mm-hmm. that I actually noted, like started realizing who, who Jose Aldo was. And at that point, I think he was like mid-card or opening the card or whatever. And Uriah Faber and Mike Brown were like the people. And there was yeah. another dude, uh, I can't think of this kid's name, but he was he had a bowl haircut. I don't Brian know. This there you go. So yeah. he had a bowl haircut. And his name was Brian together. But I remember I was watching him fighting this other, like, uh, I want to say Brazilian dude, and he beat the shit out of this guy, right? Like he just kneed the fuck out of him. And just start beating him up, and the dude quit. And I'm like, yo, who is this crazy ass little dude, right? And then, of course, like, you know, for a lot of people that love WC, the next big one was the uh, Cub Swanson fight where the bell rang and this motherfucker needed him. Like, yeah. I know we all, I know everybody loves the Jorge, <laughs> Jorge uh, basketball knockout. Ben yeah. But, like, if you watch that, you're like, yeah, that was, you know, I'm not going to be a dick and say it was a fluke, but that was a fluke. Let's be honest with <laughs> it. Ben was, like, not even paying attention. And, again, we know the dude just got knocked out, whatever. But uh, he wasn't paying attention. Jorge ran across and landed lucky. But if you watch the if you watch the Jose Aldo Cubs Swanson fight and you watch that knee, you actually see one of the craziest, like, I'm gonna use the term spatial awareness mm-hmm. setups and technique and overall executions you will ever see in MMA. Like the only other competitive comparative knee from an opening bell would be John Jones versus uh Show, right? In which he he didn't run across it, he didn't try to catch him off guard, he literally came out and then before you knew it he put both feet off the ground cub was like oh shit his feet off the ground and then he hit him with a tap knee first and then knocked him out with the second he was like a double like, pop pop right mm-hmm. and i remember at that moment i was like yo i don't know who this dude is but he's about to be the fucking champ like it was just i i was in love with the dude not in love with him, pause but like yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was like i love this dude's style you know
0: what i'm saying yeah the <laughs> big like, thing uh, too go, go
1: ahead, ahead. Nah, I was just going to say, and then, you know, of course, he fought uh, Mike Brown after that, and then he ended up fighting Uriah Faber. I never—I didn't watch the Uriah Faber lot fight live. I missed out, mm-hmm. but I watched the aftermath, and I watched, like, the last rounds of that fight. And I think when you go back in that, you realize that, like, he was fighting on a level that wasn't—that that hadn't been reached in MMA and when you start talking about the greats, and don't let me get too far in this podcast, like if this is meant to be a later segment, but when you start talking about what makes a person a great and even to become a fallen legend, you always look at it as who changed the sport and adapted, to, like recreated the sport and made everybody else evolve.
0: Hold that because I will have a question toward the end of the podcast. So hold that. Yeah, hold uh, on, let me touch on what
2: you... Go ahead. You go ahead. If I, I want to... No, go I ahead. Wanna... What I was going to say... It's, it's on subject, but a little bit off subject. Of something that I think is so dope about you, uh, UFC fighters, as far as the physical fighters themselves versus every other sport, right? Uh, I would say my favorite sport is basketball, right? If you are beating somebody in basketball by twenty, and it's like ten seconds left, and you dunk, they hate you, right? You dunk, and it's like 10 seconds left, and you're beating about by 20. They hate you. Everybody's going to be talking about it on Sports Center. They're going to be talking about it all week. But in MMA, I can beat you for four rounds, hit you with these leg kicks, which means you won't be able to walk tomorrow. You know, everybody knows, including you, that I won. And I can keep leg kicking you all the way to the bell, knowing that you're not going to be able to walk. And I and, and you already know that you lost, and I already know that I won. And keep leg kicking you all the way to the bell, and you're going to shake my hand afterwards, and it's going to be respect. But in basketball, <laughs> if you dunk, 20, 20 years later, they still hate you. I just wanted to
0: it. Hey, for one, I'm trying to get that bonus money, and you understand it because you'd be trying to get that bonus too. <laughs> but uh, what? To what? But
1: like, we know we know the basketball, the the anti dunk rules and those things were implemented when the uh when the uh ABA integrated with the NBA. Well, let so me like say those, this before
0: you go down that basketball road, because I want to keep not, it on topic and I want to say I, something yeah. off of what you said. So, going back to that knee, so you you mentioned something that I think a lot of people have to be aware of. That's the big difference between that knee and the Masvidal knee. The Masvidal knee was. I know that this man is going to come in and shoot. So I'm going to run to him, make him shoot, and throw a knee. Aldo's was reacting in real time to what's happening unplanned. And it was very fast and swift. And Cub Swanson was more known as a striker. So it's not like he knew Cub was going to come in and try and grab him. And to your point... When he hit him with the knee, he raised the other knee and hit him with the second one before his first foot ever touched the ground. And at that point in time in MMA, that type of dynamic movement, you just hadn't seen. And really kind of before uh, Mike Brown came to that featherweight division, you really didn't see KOs and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, Aldo came in and just started putting people away. And so I think those are, are factors that's, kind of really big in, in who he was or that stature.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. And it, and it, it goes back to the equivalent of uh, the difference between an athlete and a fighter. Right. And it's like, when you realize that it's crazy to think about it now, but some of our all time greats in the last two decades have been athletes that have turned fighters. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people that get the athlete turn with in reality. They are fighters because by nature, but, those sort of greats like a GSP, who to me is a fighter that turned into an athlete, not the other way around. But like mm-hmm. you know, your John Jones, your Jose Aldo's, your, your Ronda Rousey's, even to a certain extent, Stipe. Um, these are people that are athletes, high level athletes that became fighters. And when you have that sort of experience, when you know that you know Jose has a soccer background. Right, he's he's used to that dynamic movement, that fast twitch, and I'm keep using the term spatial awareness. Anytime you hear me talk about MMA, I'm always talking about spatial awareness because I think that's what defines a a champion level fighter versus a journeyman is being able to uh, to assess real time information that is coming in, know where you are, know the distance, and know what's going to happen three steps ahead. Right, just complete spatial awareness, and and you look at that and you're like, not only was his fast twitch muscles, not to get too scientific was so in tune that he was able to hit, one, he was able to re- re- react. I'm not watching the video, but if I remember, the bell rung, Cub came in quickly to, like, crowd him with the, like, with his both his hands extended out, passed him onto his hands, and went for, like, a I want to say the overhand or whatever, because I guess he just thought he could overwhelm him with size. And Jose jumped up off his feet, hit him with that first knee, and Cub sort of absorbed it, but before Cub could like move back or forth, that second knee was right there. And mm-hmm. it was almost like Cub tried to take that first knee and say, I'm gonna turn it into a takedown. But before he knew it, pop, he was out, right? And it's reminiscent of, you know, the whole Joseado Chad Mendez fight where the same a similar to the same thing happened. Chad tried to react thinking he knew what was happening. And before he knew it, Jose had already calculated everything and was like, "Pull, I'm gonna fire this off, right? And mm-hmm. he was out. And it was like at that moment, that wasn't for the belt, right? The Cub that
0: wasn't. was a um, the Cub Swanson fight, was the number one was contender. Two, yeah, it was the number one contender, and he fought Mike Brown right after that, I believe.
1: Got you. So if you think about that fight, it was like at that moment when he landed that, like you know, we see it, we see it with Izzy, we see it nowadays a lot. Um, but at that moment, I don't think anyone thought that Mike Brown was really going to stand a chance, right? And that's not to disrespect Mike Brown, but everybody in their And they moment, At that point, Mike Brown was, like, knocking people out left and right, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, he was good. Yeah. But it was just, like, the wherewithal to do that at that point, and at that point, that was Cub when he was peaking. Mm-hmm. To do that, it just established that this is a guy that's going to be a future great, probably for a long time coming, right? Um, yeah, don't let me rain.
0: Yeah, Mark. What's your what's your your, um favorite kind of Aldo fight, or maybe your favorite, maybe not moment since we talked about a couple moments, but either one of those.
2: Well, you know, uh, another one of my favorite fighters is Frankie Edgar. Um, Mm -hmm. so the Frankie Edgar trilogy, the third fight, not so much because the third fight he just beat up Frankie. Um, I didn't really appreciate that. Um. I don't want to get them confused now, but I'm almost positive the second fight is the one that I believe that Frankie actually won um and that's the one I think would be my favorite fight actually, but it was not so because it wasn't that I think that Frankie won and like I thought Frankie got robbed. I was okay with with whoever they said won I just thought that Frankie won, but I thought it was a um it was a really really good fight and I liked about it a lot, so Just so that everybody can know, I don't judge fights like, you know, probably the official way to judge fights. I got my own criteria. And the reason why I felt like Frankie won is because I thought the auto won the first two rounds. I thought the third round was close, but I thought that Frankie won the third round. And I think Frankie clearly won the fourth and the fifth round. I always give, when I'm unsure, I always give a momentum to the person who's winning the latter end of the fight if they go to the distance versus the mm-hmm. front end of the fight, even though they should weigh the same. And but Hopkins rule. Yeah, you know, that's my guy. That's my guy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, uh, now, of
0: course you can lose the first eight rounds and win the last four and win the you
1: fight. You know <laughs> i was going That's I would have called out pride rules, but that makes sense too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like that fight a lot because even though I thought that Frankie won the last couple rounds, um, auto was still really in there. I think Auto is a really a smart fighter, even though I don't think that he looks like a smart fighter when you watch him fight, but I think he's a really smart fighter when you fight because he does a lot of good counters and he kind of fills you out and see what's going on. And then he kind of do his, his game plan from, from there. And I think the problem is with him, period, is he strong early and then he withers late, right? Um, But even with him withering late, and even though I think that he lost that fight specifically, he still had enough of his mental to make the fight close enough to where obviously other people thought that he won, even though that he was fading late as far as how quick he was moving, how quick he was getting off his stuff. But he was very precise with his movements and the way he was kind of controlling the ring and we all know frankie like the kind of he like a little fly like the kite just come at you 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 so i think my favorite auto fight would be that uh probably the second the second frankie fight
0: i want to throw something out to you tj knowing that of course one of the things that we talking about is a falling goat um although you know went on like a three-fight-losing streak, and now he is, you know, rebound with a win, but we know he's not the same Aldo, and both that Two-fight-losing two fight, streak because
1: that, that Marlon morass fight was a bullshit <laughs> Sorry, go I'm ahead. I am only, only going about
0: better record,
1: Good. but, um,
0: and, you know, um, I think, uh, um, well, I think Peter, uh, is gonna come back and take the title back from, uh, from, uh, Funk You master. think so? But, I do. I do, okay. but let me, let me throw the question out there to you. So you got either one of them, you know, at 35 and then you got Volkanowski at 45, uh, all young lions, all still getting better. Should Aldo retire? Like, you know, what can what more can he really do in this sport?
1: So Aldo, if I'm going to be honest with you, right, I got to roll it back. There are two things. One. Aldo was in a peculiar situation where he end up being a BJ Penn right in the sense of he can go out so bad that his entire legacy is affected right like mm-hmm. we Randy Couture got knocked out people still talk about him being an all-time great right mm-hmm. like because he was able to walk away without embarrassing himself whereas BJ Penn stuck around so long that I would never be able to qualify him as a legend because his actual bad years outweighed his good years, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a hard thing to consider. If I'm gonna be like again, scientific about this, we're auto fucked up and we're a lot can we I just, just
0: wanna say I'm glad Lock not on this podcast, he would fight you talking about BJP. <laughs> hey
1: man. <laughs> what's uh, what's the other dude in the in that Facebook group, uh, Hawaii, whatever this guy is, who like anytime you mention something wrong about a Hawaiian or Samoan, he gets upset. Um <laughs> I'm like that dude. I'm like he digs he digs ditches for a living. He might put somebody in there one day. Um, no, but like let's talk about this though, right? Like, and it's a, it's an issue that a lot of really great fighters have, where they don't understand the science of it. As you age, you should never go backwards. You should go up in weight, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you should never try to take away from who you are physically as you get older. Because you diminish yourself beyond just weight cutting, and we're out of plus the power
0: is the last thing to leave. Speed leaves first, and when you go lower, you're going
1: faster, dudes. Exactly. So, and and in a a certain case, when you, especially at a certain weight level, your power is great, but your power will actually diminish as you go lower weight with your speed because it's not like you're just stationary mass, right? Like Derek Lewis can get his ass for five rounds. But he's still 260 pounds of mass. So if he can land that 260 (laughs) pounds, you're going to knock somebody the fuck out, right? Right. Like Because he knows how to throw that punch. So he could be exhausted, dead tired, with no energy, and still be able to throw his body weight. But whereas if you're 135 pounds, if you dead, dead tired and exhausted, you throw that body weight, that person on the other side might be able to absorb that a lot better in round five than he could in round one. And where Aldo fucked up is, if you guys remember... You know, prior to the McGregor fight, there was talks of the Aldo going up. And, you know, that's when the that's when the Frankie fight conversation started happening, right? Mm-hmm. Aldo could go up and be the first, you know, two-division champion. Aldo's going to move up. Aldo was talking shit about fighting GSP. And, like, you watch the Aldo-Mark Hominick fight. That man came in looking like a welterweight that cut down to a lightweight fighting, you know, uh, what's his name, um, Mark Hominick, right? And that was his first time we saw his skills slipping. He put on a lot of mass really quickly. Not going into the whole Usada shit. Just gonna straight keep it simple, what we saw. And he had a scramble he had to dig deep and he had to like, you know, dig in to win that fight. The next fight back, he came in normal size Out and he was do- he went back to dominating. And then he fought Max Holloway, which is funny because people say, What's your favorite auto fight? To me, it's his Max Holloway fights. Because in Them those tough fights to watch, man. <laughs> they are. But the reason why I like those fights, because it wasn't that that Aldo slipped or lost anything. He literally just fought somebody that just came out the gate better, right? Like if you watch those fights, it was the classic Aldo who fought somebody who grew up watching the classic Aldo, right? It's like it's that it's that old theory. Like you know, you could be a legend to a certain point, but eventually you're gonna fight the people that grew up watching you. You're gonna be Kobe playing against Michael Jordan, right? Changing like, the, change the it's, guard. It's, it's it's how it happens, and that's what that was. But in my mind, instead of Aldo jumping backwards, he should have moved on and moved up in the division because I still think the things that made Aldo great was his timing, his speed, and his takedown defense and, again, his spatial awareness. And I'm like, he could have went up at 155 at a point where the division and title was in a weird place and could have won. I still think Aldo could have beat Benson Henderson, right? I just think he had that ability. But he waited, and he went down and he diminished himself, and that's what put him on that sort of skid. And you look at the people he lost to, like, you know, he had to fight with Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is a journeyman. He was never going to win that fight. He had to fight with the other dude. I can't remember his name. Um, but Yon. I think that was like a uh, – no, it was uh, – No, Yon, Yon was up being the champ. He had another fight with a dude that I want to say uh, before he made the commitment to jump down. It was like an up-and-coming dude he beat. And then he lost to the current champ. Which was a a close ass fight, right? It was a close fight. He lost that belt, and then he went down to fight Martin Morass. He beat the shot of Martin Morass and got tired in the last round, which, in pain, was a constant. Was again one of the issues with cutting so much weight and not being comfortable down there. He didn't have that power. He didn't have the speed. Uh, Martin was landing. So you saying on him no day.
0: retire? Go back to forty five and get the belt. Well, that's what I hear you saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you for not letting me. Thank you for not letting me go on the rack. But, yeah like honestly to me it's like don't keep chasing that 135 go back up to 145 or go away for a couple of months and come back come out at 155 get one or two wins and then let it go go home right like without 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 a Khabib at the top of 155 Jose could make a run for that belt right because he will get the legendary status man. that's a bold statement He has the legendary status to bypass a lot of people that would give him trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like Khabib's cousin is probably going to be the top of that food chain pretty soon here. But right now, if Jose Aldo came out, it was just like, "Yo, I got my mask back. I'm coming at 155. Fuck you, Connor. I want my rematch." You know, I'm not saying he ducked, but you ducked originally. They're going (laughs) to give him that fight. You know what I'm saying? He comes out and calls out if. If Poseyano came out and called out Justin Gaethje and it became a battle of the leg kicks, everybody's going to watch that. And just like that, he can be right back in the title picture. Gaethje's a big boy what? for him, man. At, at, a big boy. That's fine. But at 135, I think he's going to get embarrassed again, and it's, it's in it.
2: Yeah, I oh, think yeah, he needs to, need to go ahead and retire. Um, and I'm going to tell you why I think he needs to retire. Two reasons. Let's go back to that Max Holloway fight, right? You said it was a good fight. The first time he got punched in the Max Holloway fight. He looked like the Jamie Foxx skit when Jamie Foxx got hit and he had to realize where he was and try to get his back. And that was like the first time he got punched. And I feel like that's about how he is in a lot of these fights when he really get tagged. He looked like he go blank for a while. And to your point, I think that two things. I think that he had really quick uh really quick twitch muscles. And he had good counters and timing, right? Whereas in now, I don't think it is as good. So I rewatched the, um, the Yan fight. You know, that was the fight for the belt, right? And yep. that was another one of those fights that was actually a good fight. I thought that uh, it was tied going into the fifth. It was 2-2. And then, you know, he just got murdered in the fifth. It was like, he didn't even pinch him. But even before that, it was like, Yannick, or however you pronounce his name, he'd throw some strikes, and that would be in perfect position to strike, but wouldn't strike. And then he would reset and then throw some set of strikes, whereas in the past, if he's in that same position, he's going to hit you a couple times, and specifically, he's going to hit you in that body with that, that left hook, and then come to the top. He's really good with that combo, and then throwing in the kicks in there. Now, in my opinion, it seems like he has to think about everything. Whereas in before, obviously I believe he thought about it before, but I felt like it was like thought about it is because he's smart. In the moment, it's a reaction. Where now it's like I think he, I think he'd be like, oh shit, I was supposed to punch right there. Oh shit, I could have kicked him right there, but now it's too late. And the people get younger and younger, and you get older. And then to your point, uh, when people grow up watch the people fight, and you and his last couple fights, if you remember, people but like. You know, I loved Auto, this, that, and third, but today I got to fuck them up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and when people loved you before, it's an extra notch on their belt when they come to fuck you up. And I think that um, once you get so old, the only thing that's going to happen is, to your point, your, your legacy gets more and more diminished. And nothing you would do would actually give you extra on your legacy if he had a title run, yeah that would but i don't think that i think that once you hit a certain spot you can't get it i mean you can get a title run so and technically get a title run but i don't think you would string enough wins together and keep your brain cells to actually have a title one and then if you had a title you would have to do the cejudo and retire as soon as you get the title because you definitely <laughs> had to go on low defending streak let me ask y'all this
1: you all if you ever hear the story of why cejudo retired you would understand how ridiculous he is as a human being. But go ahead. First sorry. of all,
0: Cejudo is a legend. Triple C, baby. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, let me ask you on this you do an episode on him. <laughs> so in the featherweight division, there's two different guys that's arguably considered the greatest featherweight. You have Aldo and you have Max Holloway. Based on title defenses and all of that stuff, if we look at the numbers, Aldo would appear to be the better featherweight. However, he lost to Max Holloway twice by stoppage. Is it possible for you to be considered better than somebody you lost to twice by stoppage? And who do you all think would rank higher kind of on that featherweight scale?
1: So, sorry, not again, don't let me rant here. <laughs> I think, I think in terms of featherweight, Holloway is probably the best featherweight we've ever had. Uh, and, and it's arguably, you know, like I'm biased because I'm a big fan of him as a human being first, foremost, for before he's a fighter. But I also think he's e- he's e- easily one of the better ones we ever had. Um, and it's hard to say that out loud because you realize that, like, he might not have the record that Aldo had at featherweight. I just think that he's had the better competition and the better runs and all of that. Uh, but I also don't think just because who you lost to diminishes who you are and who you're better than or not better than, right? Like, I would say Dustin Poirier is a better light heavyweight than, than Conor McGregor, but they're one and one. You know what I'm saying? Lightweight. lightweight sorry, lightweight. Yeah. Um, and, and there are those those type of conversations that I always kind of look up to. Like, we know people hate John Jones so much that the minute he loses, people are gonna try to throw away his entire career. But John Jones would get brutally knocked out by Francis and Gano and still be the best, best better fighter of the two, right? Like, it's a matter of Gosh. when did you meet that person? What was your career like leading up to that fight? When that where was that person's career trajectory? And uh, what happens after that? And so, if Jose Aldo retired today, I wouldn't be mad if people ranked him above Max Holloway, even though he lost twice. But I would still say personal bias. Max Holloway is the, the greatest featherweight of all time. Yeah, that's no, that's some
0: uh, good points. What you think, Holloway?
2: I think that. Uh, I think that it is hard to have you lose to somebody twice, who also has a great run. And you'd be above them unless you literally fought them at the complete end of their rope, right? The problem is, I do think that Aldo's at the end of his rope, so it still counts. But he's not at the, like, complete end where you looking like what? He didn't look like how Ben is looked in this goddamn fight he's just all fat <laughs> and sloppy you know what i'm saying like oh <laughs> that shit you know don't know. count this man
1: was was eight months removed from having his entire hip replaced that was that was just wait, stupid go ahead and all it.
0: the photos of him standing straight i don't know if you all noticed it, but literally one of his shoulders is like three inches lower than the other one it's <laughs> yes, crazy
1: <laughs> because he just had his entire hip replaced The <laughs> legs aren't even the same height anymore. i was
0: still going for being man
2: that's my yeah. guy but anyway. <laughs> so when you look fat and sloppy like that, then you'll <laughs> get sloppy. What what's the name of this get? podcast
1: again? <laughs> <laughs> the Fat
0: Boy MMA <laughs> Podcast.
1: Go ahead, I'm sorry,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, you gotta, get more leeway. That? But when you actually are still relatively active, it's harder. Now, I actually agree that. To me, it's not like they fought prime and prime, but the problem with primes is generally if there's going to be somebody better than somebody, you're never going to see them at their prime, right? Because that's just generally the way it goes. It's like how Kobe said he wished he would have played at the same time as Mike. It's impossible, right? Obviously, he played against Mike, but he didn't get to play against Mike's Mike. And that's kind of how it is also with fighting. So that's always a part of it. So then once you lose twice, I think it's going to be hard, especially because Max still had. First off, Max got cheated. I'm going to say that because he now the last fight obviously he won because he beat the shit out of him and was talking. I still DC think he won both of
1: those fights, but go
2: ahead. Yeah, agree. That's what I was about to say. He got cheated. So if I take to the fact that he got cheated, his uh, if I take into the fact that he got cheated, I feel like he won those fights as well. And so he still has a good run to go on as long as the UFC don't box him out. Um but he um um and he had a really good run and he beat auto twice. So I would put him above auto. Be yeah, yeah, I would definitely put him above auto because he did he beat him twice and he beat him convincingly twice. It wasn't like it was it wasn't like no five-round war, and it was like, who won this thing? He clearly won it, and Otto is still good enough to be fighting, even though I think he should retire. And Max has an impressive run of his own, and I believe that he won the fights that they said he lost. And he got, he got more fights coming down the pack. And then that last performance was just so crazy. I was actually afraid that he's gonna get knocked out because he's talking so much shit while he's punching this nigga. In the head. I mean, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so, Booker yeah.
0: <laughs> But uh, he yeah, book nah, yeah, I definitely, uh, I def, I did both point of views. For me, one of the reasons why I asked the question is because it's hard to gauge because I literally feel exactly the same way that both of you all do. So it's like. You know, it's one of those tug of war things. Uh, But a question, a series of questions I wanna throw out there. Um, Part of what I would like to do is kind of define some rules for this podcast for different topics. Um, And there's three topics in particular that I think confuse people. And you can throw this out there as a question And you'll have different people that's actually talking about one of these three things, but they're all thinking that they're talking on the same subject. And that the the topic is, who is the GOAT? Or in this case, we would be defining what. What is the GOAT? What is the greatest of all time, right? Is there a category where there's GOATs, but then you have one that's, that's just at the top of the heat, right, so where you would use a phrase like, oh, that's one of the GOATs. And then the next one would be pound for pound, right? So I want to kind of get you all's opinion because I want to end up forming something that's going to be unified. Whereas when we're talking on this podcast and we say the GOAT or we say one of the GOATs or we say pound for pound, it's literally these rules, this category. Does this person fit into this category? So I'm going to shoot that over to you first, TJ.
1: So if I'm hearing that right, it's it's essentially what defines a goat, and then what do we credit? What do we? What's the criteria for a list of goats? Is that kind of what you're so saying? So kind
0: of like I've hear, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about even the nature of the, you know this whole segment of fallen goats, right? I put an mm-hmm. S on it because at at any given time you have multiple people kind of regarded in the conversation of the goat, but it's hard to be one. But then usually there's conversations, no. This is the GOAT, but then this person might be however many down the list. So define what is the GOAT? What are GOATs? And then what's pound for pound?
1: Gotcha. What to me, to me, what makes it the GOAT is whose skill set, creativity, ingenuity, and ability you can put in any division in any way class against any person scale it up or down as you see fit like assume you're a creative player you have to scale it up and down right and they would still be just as dominant but not only that but who would be as dominant in any era of mma right like when i look at ali i say ali's skill set intelligence pound for pound everything he did he would be dominant in just about any era boss that we've seen to date right and mm-hmm. and and even like spent like i mean come on like i'm not let's not be Let's not fucking you know be brand new here, but Muhammad Ali at his best would dominate the current heavy proper heavyweights, right? And that's sad to say because you're supposed to be you're supposed to escalate and get better and better over time, right? Um, and to me, that's what creates the goal. And I think you really only have maybe two or three candidates in that in that field, maybe four. Um, do should I name them? Go ahead. Shoot. Okay. So I mean you really only have four candidates, maybe five, and it's really John Jones, Demetrius Johnson, George Saint Pierre, and at this point could be number number, blah, 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 right? Yes. Um and and, and, and it's and, and if we're gonna define it, we're gonna say Demetrius Johnson is a guy whose ability and creativity with his size Whereas it's like if you could put a heavyweight with a Demetrius Johnson's ability and creativity, he would be a dominant heavyweight, right? So on and so forth. But you can not ever say Deont Demetrius Johnson is the greatest GO because he took his he took his skill set up a weight class twice and got dominated, right? So that's what that's what kind of takes him out of that conversation. Um, you look at George St. Pierre across multiple fields and multiple generations, and you realize George St. Pierre is what I call a learned goat, right? Like he came in as this product and then got better over time. And every time he got beat, he came back that much better, right? And then it could be until people understand the difference between wrestling and and, and that style of wrestling that he does. Mawling. Bear, bear mauling bear mauling right yeah. and it's funny because chel chel Ch- Ch- son put it put put it best he says the problem is is no one says no one has realized that what what could be does is he takes you down against the cage no one has realized that the only reason he is able to do what he does so great is one having the cage there but also the fact that people don't understand that aspect of it and it's like, you know, and, and this is gonna sound crazy to say, but if you watch his fights with, with Connor, when Connor stayed off the cage, he actually was there. He just was so scared of getting taken down that he wasn't able to beat Connor in those moments. Now that leaves you with one other person, which is John Jones. Like, we've seen John Jones show up drunk in a fight and beat and win. We've seen john jones get dominated and say you know what Fuck this and win we've seen john jones rely on his intelligence in a fight not his body because he was physically falling behind but his mindset his ability to adapt in the situation and win and we are actually having real life conversations about john jones beating a dude that literally could take should in all worlds and aspects take his head off at any given moment and we're like yeah but he probably can't do that you know what i'm saying? And it's like when you talk about who the legend, who the GOAT is, it's that. And it's who has that level of skills that Jones has, which is physical ability, mental ability, and then just overall intelligence to understand spatial awareness, intelligence, dictate a fight, and adaptability within a fight. And it really comes down to John Jones, maybe GSP, right? So, and when I talk about what makes you a GOAT, the GOAT, it's that. In terms of what gets you on that list and level, it really is just like what's your body of work? Jose Aldo's body of work is everything he's done up to the point he diminished his skill set. Had BJ Penn retired when he should have retired, you probably would be talking about him as a goat. But when you go on, as long as you do to the point where you're, you we answer all the questions that go unanswered when a person retires reasonably early. You know, he he kind of eliminates himself from it. Yeah, so, so
2: is that my Bias over not on your list. So you just
1: uh, took
0: my whole thing I was about to say. But go ahead. The only
1: reason, like, look, the only reason Anderson Silva is not on my list and it's not – like, he's still a GOAT to me, but he's not the GOAT is because Anderson Silva's one weakness was always there from the beginning and it was glaring. No one was able to – no one took advantage of it. He had a couple of favorable matchups. No one took advantage of it. The people that did, like, kind of start to get there, they had other shit, right? Like Travis Luter fucking had the whole weight cut issues and all other bullshit, Um Patrick Cote blew his fucking knee out, and those were the people that gave Anderson Silva trouble early on. Walking into the Chris Weidman fight with Anderson Silva, I remember everybody was like, "Yo, no, Anderson's gonna knock him out. It's gonna be the easiest shit ever." And I was like, "Nah, Anderson's gonna be." I remember I was having this conversation. I think with my boy Corey, and I was like, "But that
0: fight was going good for Anderson. You can't act it like was, it, it that was. That fight was going and, and, really good for him."
1: <laughs> it was it was if you're an Anderson Silva fan. It wasn't if you were just watching it from what it was. And what it was was Anderson was trying to pull Weidman into his tricks and his games, which is get you fucked up, you chase after me, and I knock you the fuck out, right? And Whiteman wasn't falling for it. And one of the things that was really interesting about that fight, and it goes back to the tail fight, is Anderson, if you watch that fight, he, he was so worried about Weidman closing the distance because he wanted nothing to do with his grappling. And when you realize that, you realize that's how he fucked himself up. He was trying so hard to not get engaged and clinch up, which in in my personal opinion, if he had just pulled a fucking tie clinch, he would have got Wyman out of there quick and early. But he was so nervous about that wrestling aspect that he was like, every time they got close, he started backing out quick, backing out quick, playing silly games, backing out quick. And once Wyman caught on, like, yo, he just doesn't want me to get close to him. All I got to do is just keep going at him until he has nowhere to run. And then he knocked him out. The second fight is bullshit. I don't count that fight. I'm like, you know, Ariel, you know, why oh, I checked the kick? I knew I was gonna do that. Shut the fuck up bro. Like well, shut, man, I'm Let me say this
0: though. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, Holliday. Sure. Let me say this. Um so I see your point, but one of the reasons why well, let me say this. One of the reasons why I can believe that they practiced that that um checking the kick with the knee was because no, Anderson was tearing his leg up that first fight. He was tearing yeah. his leg up, so they were prepared for that. So I can believe during that fight, Anderson Silva's most success was on those leg kicks. Another that he was doing what Anderson does, which is trying to get you to overcommit on something, so I can counterpunch. And of course, we know that's why he started clowning, which of course led to you know him getting KO'd in the first one. But I think that's a a, a great factor in leading into the second fight and landing that now if you did practice that and do that on purpose that's pretty whack because you know and if you listen to his story he said long ago has said i guess many many moons ago he did in a kickboxing fight or something broke a guy's leg so at that point in time you're trying to break his leg and to me that's kind of dirty because that's not a shin on shin uh, you know what I mean, leg kick. But before we get too far away from it, I still need Holiday to. Uh, I want to get his opinion on the uh the goat goats pound for pound, all of that type stuff.
2: All right. So mine is not going to be as in detailed or as elaborate as uh, TJ's. To me, the goat comes down to this: Do I think that anybody can beat you at your best ever? That's how I define the GOAT. So meaning if everything is equal, so my GOAT is John Jones. All right. Do I think that if John Jones and Anderson Silva, who was my previous GOAT, was the same size, same era, both in a prime, who I think will win and go down the line. That's how I determine the GOAT. Basically, no matter the era, they put y'all in a situation. If we just maxed y'all skills out at peak, so both of y'all are at peak, who do I think will win? That's basically how I define the GOAT. How I have the subcategory of GOATs is people that teeter that line. But at the end of the day, I don't think they will beat that person, right? So um, um, wait, let me rewind. For me, title defenses also plays a role. Not just winning a title or not beating a bunch of people, specifically title defenses, because I believe that title defenses in any sport, but specifically MMA, is the hardest thing to do, which is why I don't give Connor any championship credit. I literally I literally give him in my brain, he's Kevin Durant. He has no titles. Okay, because to you, I mean, we know he won a title, but to win a title is one thing. To continuously defend that title was a whole nother thing. Because to TJ's point earlier about something else, when you're the champion, everybody is preparing for you. That thing is so much more harder. They, you know, you fighting this person, your opponent. You're just fighting that opponent. This opponent has been fighting you all this time if you a long reigning champ because you're the one that's always at the top so even when they are fighting somebody else they're preparing for you you as the champ is only preparing for the next opponent that's in front of you so um title defenses is a lot to me Um, uh, which is why i is it's not in my goat list um and if he stay retired he won't be in my goat list he don't have enough title defenses for me um pound for pound I really I, I used to because of Marcus. I really wish I'd have saved this clip because I used to want to use this against Marcus like every single time he opens his mouth. But I could never find a clip. I tried on YouTube Shots to fire. find it so many times. <laughs> and DJ was being interviewed, and they said uh they was talking about him basically not being a pound for pound. And what he said was, and he named Peter, so I wish I could find an actual interview. Do you really think that he named the actual person is better than John Dotson's skill for skill? And I'm like, no, they're not. They do not have the same skill that John Dotson have. But because they're smaller, you kind of dismiss them more. But like if you're talking actual skill, DJ fought people with a lot of skill. But because he was so much better than them, he didn't get him a chance to be champ they don't get the credit or reserve and then because people don't give super small people credit, but their skills. So my pound for pound is more so about like that actual skill set and what you can do with that skill set.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I dig that. Uh, once again, I think a lot of my stuff is kind of in between uh, what you all have. Um, the biggest thing that I would will throw in that kind of wasn't mentioned For me, your runs mean something, and not just who you beat, how you beat people and how you change a dynamic, right? When you literally have people that change an entire sport, it's hard for them not to go on my GOAT list. And I put Anderson Silva out there. Um, Although, of course, we were talking about just how dynamic, how fast, everything that he was doing. You know, Anderson Silva literally, did so many things nobody had seen before and his title defenses as we know would actually be higher but he would do things like last minute hey somebody fell out a fight you wanna you know we need somebody for 205 and he just texts Dana, hey i'll go fight you know on two weeks notice at a weight class up right now granted he wasn't fighting a champ but these were much bigger guys big threat you know everything like that um so those things mean something with gsp a big knock on him for me is i get it he knew it was a bunch of peds in sports but there's always been PED in the sports when he got beat up and down and across the octagon by johnny (laughs) Hendricks, and looked like he got hit by a big mac truck and literally retired for like five years that to me was like eh, that that said something right and then when he came back he really picked his opponent right and he picked a guy that he had trained with that he knew had some eye problems he wasn't the fastest guy you know just that whole dynamic kind of puts it doesn't allow me to put him in a category of somebody like a john jones right um so so when i'm looking at these people i look at what you all said about kind of you know if I take this same skill set and I put in a different weight class, I also look at if both of these people were in their prime, which is very important, who would win? And I also look at, you know, like I said, what else has this person done? Has this person changed anything? Anderson Silva with the, you know, infamous all going down in history, front kick to the face of Vitor Belfort, who, I mean, was a super threat at that time. I mean, you know, the same guy that, you know, almost a couple of years later, still almost beat JBJ for his first real, uh, you know, loss in the sport. Um, and for him to just front kick him like that, bah, get him out of there. I mean, it was just spectacular. So I think kind of all of those goes into it. But when I look at every single category and this goes into what you were saying, TJ, the only person that kind of checks all the boxes for me to say is the GOAT right now doesn't matter the error, doesn't matter the weight size, title defense as you name it, is um, JBJ, John Bones Jones. So, um, it becomes hard to rank everybody else though because they shift, especially, like you said, your Anderson Silvers, your BJs, your autos, these guys that keep fighting where it becomes harder and harder to argue to say how good they are because they've fallen so far. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. that The end of your run is so important. And, you know, another thing that Locke and the other dude always get on me about in the group is I always be saying everybody should retire. And they be like, no, let them die. But um, I think that when your run at the end is horrible, it diminishes your legacy, even for people who watch your legacy from the beginning, because it, it becomes harder and harder to erase those things. And it go, and it's like, you know, my guy Tyrone Willie I really wish he would retire. Because it's like, it yes. almost don't even feel like he had a dominant run, how bad his fall off. Like he literally fell off like an NFL running back. He went from, yeah. oh, I, oh, he just, it wasn't something going on in that fight to know that's every fight now. And mm-hmm. um stuff like that ruins it. You know, um, I think that DC kind of ruined his legacy. Um. Okay, I think that DC kind of ruined his legacy. Um. Uh, with like his his last his last fights and stuff like that, to to whereas when you lose and when you lose certain ways, going towards the end, it kind of diminished everything that you got going. So, you know, my thing with the uh uh, you know what JBJ is, and I've said this separately to TJ is. I'm afraid for him to actually get knocked out. If he was to actually come up here and win and win this belt, I would actually hope he would just win the belt and retire and submit his legacy. Um, Because I think if he was to get knocked out, first off, in heavyweight, if he was to get knocked out, that should just be crazy. And then I think that his, uh, if he was to start going and start fighting and fighting, he going to lose. And then people already thought he lost the last fight, and now people will just start picking apart everything. Well, if you really look at it, to when since he ain't really really dominated no fights since he was the young guy and he threw Machito on the ground. And it's like, yeah, but he had 40 fights after that and he won all of them. <laughs> anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. I got
0: one. Go ahead, TJ, if you were about to say something. No, I, I got I, one last question
1: I, for I you. I was so. just going to say that it, that is, again, my biggest worry is the fact that, you know, if he get because people hate him so much that any loss people are going to amplify it. Like, I still don't think he lost his last fight, but because people hate him, they keep saying he lost. Now, I also add that... It was close. It was one of his worst performances. But I'll also add that I am not as worried about Jones going down to BJ Panbrow. And I hate that we use him as an example, because we've seen Jones choose to sit out essentially two years because, he one, he was bored with fighting. Two, he didn't like to pay. And three, he doesn't care. I think he's one of those guys who's a sociopath that he doesn't care about your opinion about him so much so that he can lose a close fight and not need to get that back to prove a point. He's just like, whatever it is, what it is moving on. Right. Uh, that, that's so yeah, that's it.
0: First of all, John Jones is in the mountains of Albuquerque dressed as a Marine <laughs> with a dog and automatic weapons. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one last fight. I mean, one last uh, question for you, fellas. So, of course, you know, us talking about Aldo for this particular uh podcast, if you could have one last fight for him to say, Hey, you know what? I want you to go ahead and and, and retire, hang him up. Who do you think should be his very last retirement fight? And, you know, how you see that the outcome of that fight.
1: Can I go first? Go ahead, shoot. All right. I really think that his last retirement fight should be somebody else's last retirement fight. I think him and Frankie Aldo should fight if they both choose to stay at 135, and it should be both of them just signing off. Who both did he say? Both
0: the holidays guys, uh, Frankie Edgar.
1: I think they should fight each other, and they should both win, lose, or draw. They sign off. I think that's not only going to be a beautiful fight to watch on screen, it may be Frankie's one chance to get that win back. And I think they both are in the exact same position, and they, they should fight it and leave and be be done.
2: I'm mad that he said that because exactly what I was going to say. I was I I, I was going to say it should be the retirement fight. Um, am I here? Because y'all froze. And that's it? Did I go? Did <laughs> I get cut out?
0: Yeah, you must have cut out. Yeah, you, what you said, the part I heard you say was you was going to say the same thing. And then it's kind of not much after that. I wasn't sure. It looked like you froze up a bit.
2: All right. Yeah, what I said was... Uh, um, I'm mad that he said that because I was going to say the same thing. He said it should be the retirement fight and win, lose, or draw. They both should retire. Um, the crazy part is I think Otto will win again. I think he just has Frankie's number. Um, especially that, that third fight, it really wasn't close. Like Frankie couldn't even get in on him. He was just picking Frankie apart from the outside. Um, but, you know, Frankie being Frankie, I think it would still be a good fight. I don't think he need to fight nobody young and he don't need to be giving the keys to somebody who won't just knock his head off. Him and Frankie had a last fight. They both retire, and they had drinks to talk about how they messed each other up, like Austin Rock and Tear stuff.
0: Hey, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, for me, I'll roll with that, you know. The thing that makes me would make me want to see that fight is just because, one, we know they fought twice. I believe they're one and one. Um, or no, they didn't. Jose Wombo. Jose, okay. Pretty um, convincingly. Gotcha. And um, I know for a while when Frankie was at 55, which he was really undersized for and, you know, shouldn't be there. The call was always for those two guys to fight. So, you know, I would love to see that one, you know. And like you said, both of those guys retire. I like both of them. And the funny thing is the first time I've heard, I heard of Frankie – believe it or not, was not him fighting in the UFC. It was him on MTV going to fight in the UFC. And it was it was one of those, you know how MTV used to do those crazy, I want to be a fighter or this, that, and the other. I think it was like following a fighter or something like that. And he mm-hmm. was, I think it was like his first, maybe second fight in the UFC. And I didn't know who he was. And I watched him on MTV first and then became a fan. Crazy. So, well, fellas, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Wanted to throw it to y'all to say any, any kind of last things you want to say. Uh, say about the uh, podcast, about Frankie Edgar, any up-and-coming people you would like to, you know, see in this category, and then we're going to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I, you know, I would love to understand what, what, what's the criteria for a fallen legend. Because, you know, I feel like I'm not going to agree with y'all criteria for a fallen legend, so I want to be a part of it. And um, I definitely want to be a part of some of the names that you've thrown out there in the past. Um, and I want to be a part of the Ronda Rousey episode because I have a personal feelings about her in terms of why she's forever a legend, regardless of her to loss. But that's a, that's a whole other two-hour conversation. Um, and beyond that, yo, this was fun, and I uh, I think you both made really great points.
0: Well, you already know I'm biased when it comes to Ronda Rousey, so definitely <laughs> go ahead, Holiday.
2: Yeah, uh, this was fun. It was good talking about uh, Aldo and all that stuff. Again, uh, last thing I I would like to just basically end it with is that Aldo brought me the most disrespectful thing that you could do in fighting. And to me, fighting is always about the most disrespectful way that you could win. And to punch somebody in the head, like Jay-Z said, to kill somebody dead is nothing, but kill them while you still breathing, while you saying something. That is leg kicks. <laughs> if you take somebody out with leg kicks, that is the ultimate disrespect, because if you punch somebody in the head, they're supposed to go out. But you hit, you beat somebody's legs so bad, that they can't stand up and walk and no longer fight. That's all I got to say. I'm, I'm in it with that right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Word. Okay, cool. Well, this is DC... And uh, thank you to my guests, Holiday and TJ. Uh, So that wraps up another great Fatboy MMA podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you got a topic for us or something you want us to talk about, a particular fighter, a particular topic, please email us over at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on one of our social media platforms. Uh, Some of them are up. Some of them are not still to come, but you can find them over at links. Dot fatboymma.com. All right, have a good one.
2: Bye. Peace.
0: That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma 55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com dot com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.